you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. We're on Saturday and it's the 9th of May. Porrick, good morning. Good morning, Deirdre. Good How morning, listeners. How are you listeners. this morning? I'm great. You're Hiya. gearing up for a busy day today. Hanging yeah. baskets, is Hanging that right? Hanging baskets, it's that time of year, isn't it? People preparing for the summer, a bit of colour for the summer. So, um, yeah, the hanging basket, we have a demo on in the garden centre uh, today and tomorrow, so Saturday and Sunday, from one at 1 o'clock and at 3 o'clock. Okay. So, so two demos today, two tomorrow. So starting at 1 o'clock. So again, if people want to pop down, um, we'll show them how to prepare a hanging basket, mm-hmm. what's the compost to use, what fertiliser to use, and really then a choice of plants that will give them colour from early June right through to late summer. And really just hints and tips on how to keep the hanging baskets and window box looking really well. Um, a couple of little tips on maybe using plants and also some seed that you can sow in the hanging basket just to get a combination of nice colours. and that's Yeah, that's an interesting idea because a lot of the time I suppose we tend to think that we buy the plants and we put them in a kind of, well, semi-formed anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you, and that'll, that'll make up the bulk of the yeah. basket. But there are a collection of seeds that you can use, particularly fast germinating seeds, trailing plants that will actually come out over the edge of the basket and add a lot of colour, both foliage and flower colour. Um, so look, at if people are interested in finding out how to do their baskets really well, well, uh, pop along this Saturday and Sunday, one o'clock and three o'clock in our centres in Turlock, Castlebar and Galway. And the team there will, will demonstrate how to do up really good baskets and also give you some ideas in terms of the fertiliser we use just to keep the containers looking really well through the... And it's amazing, like it, it's down to the success in baskets, obviously is planting them really well. Yeah. But this, the key thing really is back to the regular feeding and regular watering. And if those two ingredients are given to baskets during the... Right through the summer period, you'll have them flowering literally up to um, October, November. People often remark um, on, you know, how well the baskets look in around the pubs in Dublin. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it really comes back to clever planting and also the maintenance, the looking after the, the baskets and containers. And they give so, so much value. I mean, you, you ne- nearly get five, nearly six months of colour from a hanging basket if it's cared for from early June. They often will go into well into November, into early the early part of December flowering if they're looked after well. And when you say there that the you know the success is about the feeding and the watering, how often really are you talking about it? Or does it does it vary depending on what's in the hanging it basket? Do, well, as you, you can imagine that a hanging basket by the middle of July is a, fo- a massive of roots, it's a mass of uh, foliage and plants in flower and plants that when they come into flower they use copious amounts of watering. So really a summer like we had last year, you're nearly back to daily or certainly every second day giving the basket a really thorough wa- mm. watering and then feeding at least once a week with a high potash feed, something like a tomato feed or a liquid one or something with a high potash content once a week. And if that's done on a regular basis, a little bit of deadheading, which we'll explain today how, how to do that. But yeah. really the trick is regular feeding, regular watering and that keeps the containers, the plants have enough then to keep them going right through until October, November. Right. Okay. So that's um, so that's the hanging basket. That's today in in Turlock, Galway, and Sligo at one o'clock and at three o'clock. Two demos today, two tomorrow as well. And if people want to bring in a basket or a container, mm. we'll we'll talk them through how to plant it up and and show them what to do. The other thing I was thinking about, you know, with the weather changing, um, particularly with a the, the little bit of uh, little rainfall. Bit of, yes, a little bit, is it? A little bit of rainfall that we've had. <laughs> well, it's funny, I cut the cut my own lawn uh, yesterday. I, I was surprised actually how the lawn had dried. Uh, so quickly after all after the rain. last weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, literally I went remember looking out my back garden last, I, I must have been Sunday evening or, was, yes, last weekend was the bank holiday. Mm. 
<laughs> and the water, the water level high was, it was up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But it's was... amazing how quickly it, it drains away yeah, as well. I suppose. Yeah. But but also it's it's perfect timing for uh, particularly for listeners say that haven't fed plants. So mm. I was looking at beech, for example, that beech hedges have come into leaf. Very noticeable. This week, yes, yeah. indeed. So you know, if people have their beech head just coming into leaf, this is the time of year that plants absorb a lot of nutrition and a lot of um, fertilizer. Really, if you put it on now, it's it's most advantageous. So I would be applying uh, something like the Pro 6 tree and shrub feed or a good quality shrub fertilizer to things like beech hedging, to trees in general. Many trees have just come into leaf. Apple trees are flowering very well at the moment and will benefit from addressing a fertilizer. But even just regular garden shrubs and garden plants will benefit, particularly now with the, the soil temperatures are really high after the warm weather in April. The, the soil has, has stored that temperature and with the, with the moisture we've had for the last 10 days, if you get on a good quality fertilizer and we are promised rain again tomorrow, it'll get washed in very quickly. So um, the feeding of plants certainly would be, this is something I would do this weekend. And that applies to things like roses, which are, again, growing really strongly at the moment, but they should be fed about once a month at this time of year. So good quality rose fertilizer. The other thing with roses is it's good, very good weather for planting and planting most plants. So if you're thinking of putting in a few trees or you want to put in a couple of hedging plants or some fruiting plants, it's very good soil conditions are ideal for actually planting. Plants will take off. It, if anything, April was getting a little bit too dry. Right. And and now with the, with the moisture levels, um, it's perfect planting weather. So roots will... will initiate into the soil very quickly. So trees, shrubs, hedging plants, fruiting plants, rhubarb, lavender, uh, new roses, those sort of plants will absolutely love the, the soil conditions at the moment. So the planting of plants is great. Uh, it's perfect conditions. If you've got roses in the garden, and last week, if you remember, we had a couple of questions in around fruit trees, around the um, caterpillars, I think, on gooseberries, if yes. memory serves me right. So you're going to be finding the early start of um, aphids, green fly, black fly, beginning to come back on plants, particularly as they produce new young growth. They, that's when the aphids start to hatch out and start to feed on that young growth. So particularly for the likes of roses, it would be advisable to give them uh, a liquid spray now of rose clear or rose red rescue and that just helps to prevent and prevention is better than waiting for the problem to occur yes so again something like rose rescue applied to the foliage of roses on a dry day like today will keep them pest and disease free for several weeks and again generally speaking you use rose clear about every three to four weeks this time of year so just get into that kind of pattern of using it and that helps to prevent the problem starting in the first instance and um, but certainly the feeding of plants and um, the beech too is something to keep an eye out for beech tends to get a white aphid as we go into the latter part of may so just keep an eye on again of that because the eggs are laid on the beech stems during the winter period or during the autumn period and hatch out as the beech comes into leaf in the middle of May. So mm. it's always associated with beech hedging. You'll, you'll see the pest, not, not now, but certainly in two weeks' time if you turn the leaf over. Now again, if you wanted to give the tree a light spray of something like bug clear, that'll help to eliminate the problem starting in the first instance. Um, but so, you, you know, in general, I've noticed a lot of trees coming into leaf. So lovely uh, maples leafing up at the moment the cherries of course are flowering brilliant at the moment yeah. but a good time for selecting a tree and planting a tree because again the soil conditions are perfect but you can physically see the tree now and what it looks, it looks like. like the foliage yeah. is on the plant or many of them are coming into flower so a super time to select a tree and plant a tree and I know there's lots of confirmations and communions happening over the weekend with all the calls coming in and it's yeah. a nice time to mark that occasion by maybe planting a plant planting a tree um, to symbolize 
symbolise that occasion yes. would be a nice idea as well. So they're the sort of job. So it's it's also very good weather for sowing seed. So again, um, nearly a lot of listeners will have sown the early seed of vegetable plants, but this sort of weather is ideal for sowing things like Savoy cabbage, um, for things like Hispe cabbage, sweet chard, which we featured last week, dwarf peas, dwarf beans, French beans could be sown from seed out of doors now. So again, you're using the soil conditions and the temperatures and the moisture to put in plants that are going to respond to it very quickly. So all the vegetable seeds, certainly if people have sown an early crop and it's beginning to germinate, mm. now is the time to sec- sow that second sowing of vegetable seed. Or if you haven't got around to it yet, yes. the perf- it's perfect conditions this weekend. And even plants like the easy flower seeds that you sowed last yes. year, this is, again, the sort Get of weather. Yeah, if you sow them now, they'll be up in 10 days or 14 days. So they're the sort of things I'd be focusing on um, over the next week or 10 days. A lot of plants are in flower at the moment. Brooms are flowering brilliantly at the moment. Rhododendrons, azaleas are lovely at the moment. And again, great, great time to put rhododendrons into the garden because, again, you can pick the plant in flower. But many of the spring flowering plants, as we get into the... And I'll remind people next weekend, but certainly as we get into the latter part of May, you'll be pruning a lot of those plants back and tidying them back. So if you have any plants in the garden that have gone out, are going out of flower, maybe for Scythii, the yellow flowering for Scythii, or the flowering red currant, as that begins to go over, it's the time of year to trim those plants back. So over the next week or 10 days, keep an eye on plants that are just going out of flower and trim them back and give them a feed. And that helps to set them up for next year in terms of flowering. So they're the sort of jobs, dear. And of course, planting up the hanging baskets. Planting up the hanging baskets, uh, you yeah. Know, that's a, a key job really at this time of year. If you're fortunate to have a, a greenhouse or a tunnel, plant them up, stick them in there for about two to three weeks and then put them out of, out, out of doors. If you happen to pick a sheltered, frost-free, bright location, um, you know, maybe a, a, a window in a garage or somewhere bright and frost-free, conservatory or patio would be ideal to just give them a couple of weeks to have head start and get them going right. before putting them out of doors. But they're the sort of things I'd be doing. Okay, well, there's lots to keep us all busy yeah. there. Feeding the lawn, if you haven't fed the, fed lawn, the lawn again with the, with the with moisture, the water, the, yeah. yeah, with the bit of rain we have, if you put that on, it washes in straight away and, and gets the grass greening up and looking good. Okay, because you can see still grasses quite, you? yeah, it's quite hungry quite yellow, and quite yellow. Yeah. 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 yeah, and things like, you know, the laurels, we always get that question in about feeding them. So generally the feeding of plants um, and the sowing of seed is the type of thing. Or if you had a couple of bare patches in the lawn and you wanted to repair them, this is the sort of Get weather it. that's perfect for seeding and, and getting and the that early germination. Germination is going to be perfect. And and the temperatures, it, it, it is a little bit cold this morning, but... But, it's, but like tomorrow, 14 to 16 yeah, degrees. Yeah, well, that's it. We're getting southerly yeah. winds from now on. It is on, improving. And that's going to bring the yeah. heat up as well. So the germination of plants, the growing of plants, the planting of plants, this is perfect weather for getting those things in. Great. We're going to take a break. There are some questions in, but you can keep them coming to us. Uh, if you want to text, it's 87 Cathy is taking calls this morning with us and you can call her on 0818 We're back in a few minutes. Now you're very welcome back to the programme, Porik. We occasionally get questions, actually more than occasionally, quite often, uh, questions about uh, keeping, I suppose, neighbours, pets perhaps out of a garden, right. cats and dogs. We do. Cats, you might have a solution, you tell us. I about. have, I brought this plant along. It's a, it's um, it's something new. It's a plant called, uh, it's, it's actually in the coleus family. But it's uh, called Scaredy Cat. <laughs> it's called Scaredy <laughs> I think I love it. <laughs> so basically what it is, it's, it's a variety of coleus, coleus 
it's hardy out of doors. It can be planted now out of doors. But the scent of it, the smell of it, mm. which is not unpleasant, but it's... It's not, no, because we, we, you've given me a little section of it here. Now, I think it's a bit nettly smelling. It's, yeah, or, it's like, like, I mean, it's not just really smell of anything very much. Yeah. And when you do sniff it up close, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, a bit nettly yeah, or something along It has along that kind lines. of a... Yeah. So it's a plant called Coleus uh, carnea, and uh, so scaredy cat is the common name of it. It's a plant that you can plant, say, if cats are coming in under a hedge or they're coming in through a gate way if you plant it close by or put it in a pot growing close by they dislike the smell of it and they'll actually move away from it so they just it's something to try yeah, it so might you be a could, solution yeah you and you could plant you could presumably you could put it into a bit of a border if you want or plant in a border it'll, or it'll plant in with the pot with exactly. other, I mean it's not it's it's not a flowering plant but it will blend in with other items it's what of course you yeah. can put it into a mixed bed or whatever so if you want to keep the cats off a particular area try that it'll root very easily from cuttings as well so right. it's one that you can propagate and um just something different and something rather than using the chemicals or the um, scent of uh, pellets. It's a more natural way of keeping the cats under control. I love it. It comes with a big, uh, it comes <laughs> like the stop sign, except yeah. it's just got a cat with the big red line through it. And it's sold in a red pot. So <laughs> that's a plant called Coleus carnea or sca- Scardy. Cat. Scardy yeah, you'll know cat. it anyway with the big label yeah. on it. Yeah. So that's something different. The other plant I brought you in is one of the begonias. It's a new variety of begonia. Um, and it's got this particularly scarlet red colour. It's a really nice variety. Um, Bovillia red. Is it's, yeah, variety. so it, it, the, the flowers are quite bell-like. I, I always associate begonias with uh, not quite that, you know, that level of droopiness about them. Yeah, it's, it, this is perfect. The stems are upright, so it grows in an upright fashion. So this is going to suit a hanging basket. Mm. It will suit a large pot if you want to fill a big pot. If you had a pot up on a pedestal and wanted something kind of full but yet but semi-weeping a small bit, yeah. yeah this would be ideal yeah it's lovely yeah so it's a it's a it's a nice new uh red flowering and it's loads of loads of flowers on it at the moment but but bolivia red think of that um and it will flower from now till october november sort of period so you'll get a good whack out of it. and you can store it if you want to keep it from for next year it'll form a tuber and you can keep it just bring it back indoors and, and hold it for next year so that's bolivia red it's a really nice variety something different and um, so it's giving, going to give you height and that plant will grow certainly two feet in diameter so one or two plants will fill a very large pot so it's quite a nice one as well yeah very, very quite different as well from the I suppose more traditional the colour yeah. yeah and you get lots and lots of flowers so you don't have the big double flower yes. of it it's more a single uh, trumpet shaped flower but Absolutely, hundreds and hundreds of flowers from that plant. Very pretty altogether. Right, let's turn our attention to some of the questions that have come in. And we're going to start off, well, as it so happens, it's kind of a, well, bedding plants to start off, Pork. Um, Some ideas on bedding plants. Can they go out now? What types should be planted together, like impatience, for example? Asks Tom. Yeah, well, impatience are the Busy Lizzie family. And it's too early, really, for a lot of the, uh, certainly the frost-sensitive uh, bedding plants so things like what you can plant at this ch- time of year would be plants like mimulus which is great it's just coming into flower at the moment it gives great early summer colour it's a great plant for May, June, July sort of colour um, so mimulus is great violas are flowering very well at the moment and again will flower for the whole summer long they, they do exceptionally well again in pots and containers but are totally frost hardy you could put out pansies the summer flowering pansies mm-hmm. um, English marigolds that's the big orange or yellow flowering uh, marigolds goes, which again are fully hardy and go out of doors at this time of year. White alisum could be planted this time of year. But keep 
hold back yet. We I think even looking at, looking at the, f- the forecast for next week, frost is promised on Tuesday night. Right. And we can get frost right up until the end of uh, May. So plants like geraniums, French marigolds, uh, begonias, impatiens or the busy lizzies, they're all frost sensitive. And if planted out of doors, you run the risk of frost damaging them. Um, so I wouldn't do any planting of sensitive bedding plants until certainly the first week of June. June bank holiday is the earliest I'd, I'd consider putting them out. Now fine you can be putting them into containers and growing them on in a greenhouse or tunnel or indoors in a windowsill mm-hmm. and, and getting a bit of bulk and a bit of size to them but not planting them out in the open ground certainly for another couple of weeks and if people have planted them it's advisable to cover them at night time with some garden fleas to keep the frost off them or you, you will get some losses. Plants like sweet peas could be certainly planted out Godetia and Thrinums. There are some bedding that are frost hardy and, and are fine to go out and when you go to your local garden centre just ask them really for um, the frost hardy varieties of bedding plants that can, you can put out early in terms of planting them uh, really I think they look best when you know kind of simple combinations probably mass planting looks really well yeah. using one or two different plants at most rather than a whole pleasure right. of different yeah. a little bit of structure to yeah, it yeah a bit of structure to it when you're using bedding plants so you're getting more of a mass um, more of a vibrant colour yeah. and it tends to look better or like we said a couple of weeks back a lot of the councils and a lot of the town planting are going back to the more herbaceous plants, more cottage garden plants like hostas, lupins, agapanthus, the lovely blue agapanthus, um, delphiniums, all of those plants that flower year after year. And with that, you can mix some bedding if you want it. So you could put some English marigolds in or some godiche in if you want it just as a, as a little bit of a filler. Mm. Uh, but the cottage garden planting can look really well. And this is the time of year to plant because many of them are going to come into flower over the next couple of weeks. Excellent. Okay, so I suppose just hold fire on the on the on the ma- on the, on the softer on the bedding plants. I'd hold a hold yeah. fire for at least the first week of June, but certainly the hardier yeah. varieties like the pansies, violas, sweet peas. There's no problem putting them out this time of year. Now we have a question on brooms. Uh, yeah, they're lovely this year actually. A listener has two brooms, and the last two years they produced lovely colours, yellow and orange. Now this year they've no flowers whatsoever. The past year they've grown a great height. What should I do with them? They were given a liquid uh, feed and spring and they do appear healthy. Okay, well that's that's great. I mean, the fact that they're healthy and growing well. Mm. Um, first of all, there are different varieties of brooms. Some that flower early, they're in bloom at the moment and some that will flower at around the end of May. So there are different varieties first of all. So it may be just a timing issue that they haven't come into flower. The fact that the broom is growing strongly is great. The fact that it's it's healthy, that's most important. And the, the, the fact that it's actually growing so strongly, it can often skip a year where it flowers for one or two years as it has heavily yeah. and then triggers itself into growing producing all the energy into uh, new growth now on that new growth that the broom will flower this time next year so leave it pretty much alone they don't require a lot of feeding they're a plant that actually if they're overfed can get too big and too bulky and often get broken in in uh, damaging winds so they're the sort of plant that actually does very well on uh, hungry ground and, and, and the, the plant itself stays smaller and more compact and it tends to trigger into flowering a little bit early. Yeah. So look at the little bit of liquid feed in the spring is fine. I would leave that plant alone. The only thing I would put on it, consider putting on it, would be sulfate of potash because that will help to slow the growth down I'm and blank. bring it into flower. Um, so... Uh, Look at leave it alone. Really, is is my advice. A little bit of sulphur of potash, and that plant will come into flower in the spring of next year. 
Great. So don't prune it, don't, don't trim it, don't just, do anything with it. Just yeah, yeah, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. I did mention for you know if if, if you have a broom in flower mm-hmm. in full flower and they are flowering beautifully at the moment, the time for pruning those back will be in about three weeks' time as they go out of flower, and you just cut back the flowering wood. So you don't cut it severely back. You just go and maybe take six to twelve inches off the plant, mm. and that sets it up for next for the following year. So it'll come back into growth for the summer and on that growth it will flower next year. Now my heathers are just going out of flower. Brilliant colours since last September, thank you. Uh, do I trim them now, asks the listener. Yes, and, and heathers have been flowering since, you know, autumn of, of last year. They're one of the, particularly the winter flowering varieties, they're great because they grow in ordinary garden soil. They don't need anything fussy. Yeah. And they flower literally from mid-September, early August, kind of right through till this time of year. They're still in bloom at the moment, but the, the listener is dead right. This is the time of year to prune back spring, the winter flowering heathers. So shave them back, remove all the flowering wood. Um, so you'll be cutting certainly six, seven inches off the plant. And when you trim, you feed. So the, immediately you cut them back, put some granulated fertiliser around the base of them like the Pro 6, and that'll encourage new growth. And on that new growth, they'll come back into flower next autumn. And again, flower for sure. five or six months next year. Great. Now, uh, Porik, looking for some coloured plant now for June in my garden. We have a special occasion coming up in mid-June. Is there anything that would last and then flower again next year? Yeah, well, again, going back to the... the I, I would look at some of the perennial plants. So what's coming into flower at the moment are things like peony roses and they'll flower for June. Some of the early flowering poppies would be lovely, the papavers. Uh, there'll be big blousy flowers for, for June for poppy day. Um, you've also got lupins just starting to bloom. And again, June is the time for for lupins to, to show a lot of colour. Lavender will be in flower right through June. It's just, just beginning at the moment. I saw some lovely uh, lavender in somebody uh, in a box yesterday evening in Roscommon. Yeah, really and nice. they, they flower with the flower the whole mm. summer. They'll flower up till... So there's lots of... What I would suggest is pop into your local garden centre over the next couple of weeks. There'll be lots of the herbaceous perennial or cottage garden collection plants coming into bloom. So depending on the kind of the height that you want, you can select a whole range of different types of uh, perennial plants. Many also have got lovely foliage colour like the Alstroemeria rock and roll that I featured oh, last yes, week yeah. that'd be a very nice plant to just add a, a splash of colour from the foliage and it will be coming into flower for June as well uh, but also plants like hostas which are growing for the, the lovely variegated foliage so look go for a collection of the cottage garden range and get them in now they'll flower through June, July early August and they'll come into flower again next, ne- next, next year. year Yeah. Now, this text starts off with, uh, in capital letters, HELP! Lots of chickweed in my vegetable patch. Seeds from last year. I haven't sown any vegetables yet. How do I control prevent this? Okay, well, chickweed is... is, it's a choking weed, really. Of of uh, it germinates at this time of year and spreads very rapidly mm. and can be a nuisance in vegetable gardens. The fact that the listener hasn't planted any plants that's great because the soil has just the chickweed in it. So what I would use is something like the Weed Free Three Sixty. It's an application that will control. Uh, chickweed and other weeds in general without contaminating the soil. So once it hits the soil it becomes neutralised and you can plant afterwards. Now a little tip is to actually get the bed prepared, prepare the ridges or prepare the drills and allow the chickweed to show itself. So allow it to come up maybe an inch on top of the unplanted drill or ridge. Treat it with the Wheat Free 360 that'll work within four or five days of this time of year to kill off the chickweed and then you can plant safely. So as soon as the chickweed has died uh, after the treatment you can put your sure. both your seed or your uh, vegetable plants in um, and there's no contamination of the soil so really weed free 360 applied now in dry weather will control oh, chickweed 
Now, uh, question on potatoes. I sowed early potatoes on the 18th of March and the main crop on the 21st of March. Okay. But, but very not, specific. Very specific, well done. But not a sign of them coming up so far. I put sea mungus on the soil and had beautiful spuds last year when I did this. What's wrong and what do I do now? Well, I, I wouldn't uh, suggest there's anything wrong. Um, you know, what, the, just to be, to be sure, uh, I would dig up one. Just if you're if you're if you're right. worried that they're they're not they're not appearing, just have a look. Um, dig up one. You'll see that the, the that they're starting to form. Absolutely, yeah. there should be at least six or seven inch stems just beneath the soil. I would guess that they're only an inch or two beneath the soil at this stage. And all the better that they haven't come through because the the couple of nights of frost that we've had would have seen, yeah. would have t- would have actually burnt the tips back. And uh, when I was in with the Roscommon team yeah. uh, two weeks ago, I, I had a gentleman that actually had his the potatoes were just in a tunnel were damaged with the frost because he had planted them early and of course they had responded to the great weather in April. He hadn't protected them with the garden fleece and the frost penetrated through the, the, the tunnel mm. and, and, and actually damaged them back. So um, to be sure, look at dig up one or two plants and follow back the tuber. You'll see the young growth there. They should appear over the next couple of um, days really. Right, I'd say yeah. In the next 10 days you'll be seeing the the young foliage coming through. So yeah. all the better that they haven't that actually sprouted. And the listener has done everything right. The sea mungus is fine to use a good potato fertiliser. Um, now as they come through you could reapply a fertiliser, uh, a potato fertiliser about the third week of, of uh, May or the end of May just as a second application to keep them moving on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, had petunias last year when they went to flower they rotted. Was it a bad batch? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad bad. The thing with, with petunias is that you have a trumpet-shaped flower and if mm. we get wet weather or damp weather, the, the flower fills with water and rots off. Okay. And so it's, you know, petunias are notorious for, if particularly if you get a, and May last year in particular, was very damp mm. in May, the early part of June. It was really kind of mid-June onwards before we got the good weather. Um, so... Uh, it's just a weather factor, really, with the with the petunias. The flowers will spoil in very damp weather. Um, the thing to do with them is just to pinch them back, to pinch all the shoots back if that occurs. The plant will regrow. If you feed it, it'll regrow again. And on the new growth, it'll carry its flowers again for, for the it's summer simple. period. Yeah. Okay. I have some new hydrangea replanted two weeks ago. They're all dying. What okay. is the best remedy to revive the masks variety? Well, hydrangeas, again, I suppose, like our potatoes, the young the young growth can be affected with cold weather or frost, and that's just setting them back at the moment. So really, if you haven't fed the hydrangeas, well, they're newly planted, aren't they? Uh, yeah, replant, uh, replanted, to new hydrangeas and replanted two weeks ago. I presume planted from the pot. That, from the pots, yes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if the listeners put down some fertiliser and compost with them, really it's just a matter of give them a bit of time, wait for the warm temperatures to come back again and the hydrangea will come back into growth. If they haven't been fed, then use a rose feed, something like top rose would be good mm. to apply around the base them or colour boost. Apply that now and that'll just help to push them on. But, you know, we're seeing that particularly if you remember last week, we had quite a number of questions in about forest flame that was damaged with the frost where the tips had been burnt back. Um, hydrangeas would be exactly the same with Virginia creeper that was burnt with the frost. So cold winds, frost, frost. at night, will set those more sensitive plants like hydrangeas. Now, it only sets them back for a week or two yeah. and they come back. They'll respond to the good weather. Um, so it's like you're going out and just cutting the stem back with a second terrace. The frost has the same effect or the cold winds has the same effect. It only sets the plant back for a couple of weeks at most and it'll respond, particularly if you feed it, it'll respond to the good weather when it, these milder temperatures that you're promising me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm only reading the words. It's Met Aaron that are there writing them, Boric. Don't be holding me to it. We'll have one more and we'll go for another quick break then. Briars, uh, when can you spray them and with what? Well, with the briars, and again, they're loving the weather at the moment, but briars, you, you treat them as they're coming into leaf when there's plenty of leaf on them. So anytime from now on, um, we did mention before, if they're growing through a hedge or shrubs mm. or use the, the uh, Roundup gel, which is effective on them. Um, I did mention before, you can scuffle them out fairly easily as well. With a good sharp spade, you'll take the root out of brambles fairly easy. Um, but if they're growing on, or growing on kind of vacant ground or areas where there are no ornamental plants growing, you again, you could tr- treat them with the Wheat Free 360 and that can be just applied to the foliage. Mix a little bit of washing up liquid into the mix. It tends to stick it onto the bramble leaf a little bit better and you get a better kill. And um, as I mentioned before, the Wheat Free 360 won't affect the soil so it doesn't leave any contamination you can plant that area but obviously if they're growing in through plants or up through trees or up through hedges you need to use something that will just be applied to the foliage of the bramble so the the roundup gel is very effective in that instance great okay we're back in a few moments now you're very uh, welcome back to the program we're just looking through all these questions here okay Here's a question from Muriel Pork. Uh, we have a wooded area near our house where there is a deer, or, or there is deer, sorry, plural, okay. uh, who eat the apple blossoms. Is All there right. any way we can stop them? The poor old deer. That huh? sounds like uh, something out of a Disney <laughs> movie in Maya. Bambi. I don't know. Well, look, at there, there, uh, yes, there is. You can use a, a treatment called grazers. And grazers is... Um, is that the one we use for the rabbits? It is. It will do, it will control, uh, so what is it? So it's a, it's a liquid, you mix it in water, you spray it onto the foliage or flowers of a plant. Um, it's actually calcium. Uh, it's a calcium mix. And deer, hares, rabbits, pigeons of all things, dislike the taste of it. So it's very effective, say, if you've got um, deer eating fruit trees or hedges or whatever, or eating the bark of trees, you can literally put it onto the stems, bark and foliage and uh, the the hare will, or the deer in this case will stop eating them. But it's also very effective, say, if pigeons are attacking cabbage, all which right. they often do. Yes. So you can literally spray it onto the foliage of the cabbage and um, so it's it's perfectly harmless to humans. Uh, it can be used in vegetables, fruiting plants, ornamental trees, whatever, where you've got grazing pl- animals, animals and that's where it gets its name. So it's called grazers. It's a simple liquid. You mix it up in water, put it on a dry day and once the deer tastes the foliage or the flowers with that treatment, they'll stop eating it. Okay, how interesting. Um, Question for Porik. I have a mountain ash growing in my garden for about 14 years, but Great. it has never thrived. Okay, okay hang on now. I see the trees growing in the wild on boggy land and producing loads of berries. Yes, they would, do. It, would it help to add an ericaceous feed around the tree? What else could I give it to improve it? Uh, and will I see improvement this year? There's a little lichen growing on it. Is it doing any harm to the trees? No, lichen, lichen on the stems of plants are not parasitic. They don't take any energy from the plant they literally use the plant for support and uh, lichen is always a, a, you know I often remember back in the days I was in the botanic gardens in mm. Dublin back in the 80s where uh, there was never any lichen in Dublin because the, the burning of coal the sulphur actually killed lichen so where you see lichen grown is always an indication that the air is healthy 
Uh, and so since the since the reduction of smokeless coal or uh, normal coal back to to smokeless coal, you're seeing litching coming back into gardens, particularly in town gar- or in uh, suburban urban gardens. But anyway, uh, going back to our mountain ash, look, they're an easy tree to grow. My guess with this tree, and I, I was actually just looking at some beech trees um, recently as well that are struggling. If you plant a tree too deeply. So if a tree is planted, um, bought in the garden centre or transplanted from somewhere else and it goes anything more than four to six inches uh, below where it has normally been grown in the pot, the, it, the tree will actually struggle because the roots are down too deeply. And where you see a tree that is not thriving, particularly something as common as mountain ash, which mm. is very, very easy to grow, um, a 14-year-old tree should be at least 15 or 16 feet high. It should be 10 foot in diameter and it should be loaded with birds, with, berries. with berries in the autumn. The trees that the listener is talking about in the bog have been grown from seedlings. So the seed has dropped to the ground and the tree has grown from, it has never been transplanted and grown from there and naturally enough its roots are at the right level. I would guess that this tree when it was planted went down too deeply. So my advice is to leave it alone for this year. Next autumn, dig it up and transplant it but raise it. Raise it at least five or six inches above the level it's been planted at. And I bet you it'll actually thrive. Okay. Yeah, because it, I, it sounds like it's just gone down too deep. And that's all a common cause when people are planting new trees. Yeah. I think by putting them down an extra four or five or six inches into the soil, uh, it's going to do them good, but actually does them a lot of harm because the roots are beneath the level where they're receiving oxygen and roots need air, of all things, to, to grow. So if they're too deeply planted, you'll get this... The tree will come into leaf every year, but it won't actually thrive. So it's like it's on a starvation and what's happening is that the roots are not forming properly even though it's 14 years old yeah. that won't have a massive root ball it will actually come out of the ground relatively easy um, so I think that's what I would do is next autumn transplant it okay. yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting about the depth because yeah I suppose in our it, 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 to the un uh, the, the, the person with no knowledge like me um it, you kind of do think, oh, well, I need to have a good and down and yeah. deep so it'll be well anchored and exactly. it won't blow over in the wind exactly. and that kind of thing. And then the tree just literally, s- mm. it, it comes into leaf, it kind of puts on a little bit of growth, but doesn't thrive as such. So, and, and that's typically the symptoms that the listener is describing there. Because mountain ash is a, is a, a relatively easy tree. It does, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it's native. And it doesn't it's need, it is, and Ireland, it, it so. doesn't, it doesn't need ericaceous soil. Um, the fact that it grows in the bogs, it just, it will grow on limey soil anywhere. equally as well. Right. Yeah, it'll grow in ditches. Um, so you don't need to put down ericaceous compost. It'll grow in ordinary garden soil. So it's not the soil issue, it's the depth it's of the planting. Depth. My camellia has lost all its leaves. It was fed a month ago. It seems to have small buds. What's wrong with it? Well, it's it's hard to say, uh, to be honest. I mean, if it's dropping its foliage, it's obviously in, in um, it's got a severe shock. One of the things that will come to mind will be vine weevil, which are a, a, is a white maggot of and absolutely loves Camellias, yeah. rhododendrons, azaleas, hostas, begonias, lots of plants. So it's a white maggot that feeds on the roots of camellias in particular. Um, the You can use the nematodes that I mentioned before to treat it. Um, but, you know, I, I would guess that that's what's happening. Now, the listener hasn't said whether it's in the ground or in a pot. Um, but I would check the roots to see are there any white maggots present or has the root been damaged in any way um, the fact that there are buds on it yeah it'll, it'll hopefully come back into into leaf again they've already fed it so they've done everything that they can do but I would check it for vine weevil it sounds to me like that's the problem and that the roots are being damaged and particularly when you get that defoliation of a plant mm. where it drops all its leaves it generally 
something something is, something is after yeah, underneath. Yeah, yeah, and particularly if it's in a pot, I guess it's there could be a lot. The vine weevil larvae are laid in the autumn in August. Yeah, they ha- they hatch out through the winter. They're feeding on the roots of plants through the winter period, and then as we come into spring, as the plant tries to come into growth, you get this dropping of the leaves. So it's very symptomatic. Is that the word? That's a good word, yeah. The symptomatic of vine weevil or or some root disorder on the plant. Okay. Delia in Foxford is wondering, where can you get poached egg? What's poached egg plant? That's a plant called Limnanthus. Um, The poached egg is, like its name suggests, it's a a flower, first of all. Sounds like a big daisy, does it? Well, it it grows, it literally uh, only grows two or three inches out of the soil. So it's a ground covering plant. And it's got large flowers that are yellow in the centre and white at the edge, like a poached egg. Yeah. Now, it is a plant uh, that's sown from seed. So the seed is available at this time of year. You can sow it, it'll grow anywhere. But one word of caution with it is that it can become a bit of a weed oh. in that it self-seeds and spreads. So if, you, if you've got a large area to cover or a big bank to cover, yeah. then it's super on that because you literally just chuck the seed onto the uh, bank, rake it in. Within a couple of weeks, it'll germinate. It'll come into flower about the middle of July and it'll self-seed and spread onto other areas. So it's fine in an area like that. But if it's in your prize bed outside the front door, then it's not a plan for that sort of location. It, it can become a weed uh, because it self-seeds. So just be careful. But the listener obviously knows the plant uh, because that's the common name of it, poached egg plant. So the, the seeds are available now. The botanical name is called Limnanthus and... Um, sow the seed on the ground out of doors over the weekend they'll germinate in two weeks and be flowering within six, seven weeks and you'll have once you have it you have it forever. Right, <laughs> it's okay. that type so, of plant. So yeah. make sure you like it in yeah, advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fine in a kind of, maybe, I've often seen it sown maybe outside a house on a gravel area right. or on a large bed where you, you can let it spread and let it off but it does have seed and can become a bit of a nuisance. So it comes with a word of caution. Okay, what causes rhubarb to bolt growing wild? Yeah, well, the, the, what's happening is it's going to seed, it's going, it's flowering. Right. Now, what, you know, the function of any plant, as I always say, is to, to, to reproduce seeds. itself yeah. and rhubarb is no different. But plants, when they come under any form of stress, will it triggers them to go to seed, to go to flower. Um, so when plants are healthy and there's plenty of nutrition and there's plenty of a root run like rhubarb, you tend not to get the flowering stems being produced. But if it comes under stress due to age due to maybe crowding in an area, due to lack of nutrition. Naturally, the, tr- the plant thinks, well, it's time to self-propagate here yeah. and set the next generation off. And you get these flowering spikes on rhubarb at this time of year. So watch out for those and just prune them out. So literally get a secateurs and prune that flowering spike out because it's going to rob the rest of the clump of rhubarb for, of nutrition. The other thing is it's telling you something. The plant is telling you something. So it either needs to be fed and again, you could use um, an organic feed or again, the Osmo Pro 6 would be very good to put around the base of rhubarb now to boost it on. Um, it also may need dividing. So consider dividing it next November because dividing up the rhubarb helps to regenerate yeah, the just, plant. Yeah. yeah, and you're you're moving it. So sometimes, you know, it's just a symptom. It's, it's not unnatural. Let's right. put it that way. The plant is telling you that for some right. reason it's under some form of stress. And my guess is it may not have been fed this year. So put some fertiliser on it, cut out the old flowering stems. And if it's old rhubarb that's there a long time, maybe consider dividing it uh, this coming November and propagate some plants and maybe start off a new, a new batch. 
Uh, I've grown carnations from seed. When should I put them out? Well, carna- carnations are frost hardy. So as long as the plants are nice and strong, you know, they're, they're a couple of inches high, a couple of inches in diameter. Um, a little tip for you is to actually trim them back. So get a, a sharp scissors and take maybe an inch or half an inch, just a small amount off the very top of them. That'll encourage a nice bushy full plant and from that you'll get more flowers this year because carnations, some of the early varieties have have come into flower already but they generally don't flower till about the middle of June uh, early July and flower for the summer period. But they are frost hardy so what they do need is a bright sunny location and free draining soil. So add some sand or grit or gravel into the soil. They're like lavenders. They like that a uh, similar mm. type of bright sunshine and a poorish, Poor gravelly type yeah. soil rather than a heavy, rich soil. They're also a plant that dislike too much feeding. So again, a little bit of fertiliser into the planting hole when you're planting them, plenty of gravel and grit into the planting hole and make sure they're in a bright, sunny location. They also do great in pots, containers, because again, they're not sitting down, down on the wet water. soil. Yeah, but certainly plant them out now, lightly trim them back, add a little bit of fertiliser when planting them, space the plants about at least a foot, maybe 15 inches apart in, in a clump situation mm. and um, they'll give you tons of colour and they most varieties are perennial, they'll come back next year again. Okay, so you don't really have to do anything with them then, do you? You just cut them back at yeah. the end of the year. Yeah. But the, the, the secret to the success with carnations, as with lavender, is to have very, very good free-draining soil. Okay. If you listen to the... Uh, my, my father, actually, has he, two lavenders died last oh. uh, winter. Uh, so he was asking me... Uh, he was looking for re- replacements for right, them. Yeah. So I said to him, you know, the, the problem is the soil, not the plants. So he needs to redo the soil and, and add some plenty of grapes. So I hope he's listening to that. <laughs> Right. I put out Roundup one day and a track of it got on the lawn. How will I repair it? That's a, well, that's a, that can happen that very can happen. easily. That can happen. It happens to the best of us. Um, right. What happens with Roundup is, again, once it hits the lawn, it kills the lawn, but it doesn't contaminate the soil. So all I would do is just get yourself a small container of patch magic, cut the lawn nice and tight in that area. Mm. So set the lawn more nice and low, trim back the dead grass, get yourself a small tin of patch magic and literally just shake it onto the area. Patch Magic contains the seed, the fertilizer and the compost all in the one canister. And the Roundup won't have contaminated the soil, so it won't contaminate the seed. And that will germinate over a two or three week period. So um, don't worry, you, you have done only temporary damage on it. I have moss on the stem of the forest flame, potentilla and heathers. What should I use? Well, again, the moss, like the lichen, is just growing. It's not doing any severe damage. Now, if you want to get rid of it, the easy thing to do is get a little bit of a product called Green Up, uh, which is a powder. You mix it with water, you put it into a small hand sprayer and just spray it onto the stem of the forest flame or the potentilla and that'll just kill the moss overnight. But remember, it's not doing any, it's not parasitic, it's not doing any physical damage to the apart from it being possibly unsightly and that's the only damage it's doing. So if you want to get rid of it, a little bit of uh, green up powder, mix it with water, apply it onto the stem and that'll just get rid of the moss. It'll kill it overnight. Okay, very good. We're going to have to leave it there, Park. We want to remind people again about the hanging baskets. Yeah, so remember the, the, the today and tomorrow in our garden centres in Turlock, Galway and Sligo, we have a, a demo uh, at one o'clock and three o'clock, just showing people how to plant up hanging baskets, window boxes, containers, just tips on the best plants to use, mm. the compost to use, the fertilisers to use, how to pinch plants back um, to keep them neat and tidy. And... Um, 
And that's so one okay. o'clock today and three o'clock and again tomorrow one, one to three. And, and, if again, you have, and if you have containers, bring them along. Well, if you want to bring them in, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk you through how the best way to plant them up and, and give you some tips, the, the, the type of plants that will be suitable for those particular containers. Great stuff. Okay. Right. Well, it sounds like you have a busy day ahead. So we'll Looking forward uh, to it. let you get on. You, uh, did you have something else that you... No, no, that's nope, it. That's, that's it. That's great. Uh, so I won't be here next Saturday, but I'm I believe Viv is... Uh, Viv Brennan is back, yeah, yeah it's it's back. next week. So we'll... So, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll He's got big shoes to fill. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say he might be better at this than me. Anyway, I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thanks for all of your company this morning. And uh, stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way next with Country Classics.